0: Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe, then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. Stunned and devastated. That's how some Hollywood heavyweights say they're feeling after the death of actor Michael Clark Duncan.
1: Michael Clark Duncan found fame at the age of 42, playing gentle giant John Coffey in The Green Mile.
2: Take my hand, both. You see for yourself.
3: That movie was Duncan. That that he was really John Coffey in life.
4: And he just was an all-round good guy.
2: Why don't you put the gun down?
1: The six-foot-five actor went on to star in a string of Hollywood blockbusters.
3: But he wasn't your typical Hollywood star. He was a health nut. He was just really adamant about taking care of his body.
5: He was obsessed. He was, whew, he was crazy about his workout session.
1: But at the peak of his career, on July 13th, 2012, tragedy struck. And when he died in the hospital two months later, rumors of a conspiracy emerged.
6: There are 911 calls that were blocked. We can't get that.
3: I really feel that there was some foul play. He got someone in his life that he wasn't ready for.
0: Michael Clark Duncan suffered a massive heart attack and died in the hospital two months later at the age of just 54. So I'm wondering how a man who appeared to be incredibly fit and healthy, and in the prime of his life, mysteriously suffered a fatal heart attack out of the blue.
1: World-renowned medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has performed around 5,000 autopsies, collaborating closely with law enforcement and other forensic specialists. His pivotal role in investigating suspicious cases has revealed the truth behind mysterious deaths
0: for over 20 years. Michael Clark Duncan's death certificate states he died from respiratory failure following myocardial infarction, otherwise known as a heart attack. However, the last few days of Michael Clark Duncan's life are shrouded in mystery. And as no autopsy was performed, in order to get to the truth... I'm going to have to analyze every part of his medical history in order to discover what really caused his premature death. December 25th, 2011.
1: Michael's home, Los Angeles. Eight months before his death. Michael has organized a big Christmas get-together to introduce his family to the family of his girlfriend, reality TV personality, Omarosa Manigault. The couple met 18 months ago while shopping for groceries, and they're now
4: living together.
2: Judy Duncan,
4: Michael's sister. We were at his house in Whitland Hills. It was so fantastic because we all got to be there. My mom was there, my daughter was there, her two boys got to be there with us. Michael's career is going from strength to strength. He's about to
1: start a new movie and has just finished filming the new TV series, The Finder,
3: his first major small-screen role. Thank you. Kevin Jones, Michael's best friend. For him, it was great to be on TV. I remember him calling us, and he said, man, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. But Michael's
1: niece, Karen, notices that something isn't quite right.
3: Karen Johnson, Michael's
6: niece. I went to my mom, and I said, have you noticed? And she said, notice why? I said, Michael, I said, he's moving a little slower. Michael wasn't in the living room when we opened up gifts. He was tired, and he went up to his room, which was strange because that was our first Christmas being together as a family under one roof in a long time. And so to have all of us back and then he not be down there, I was like, say I know something's not right, something's not right.
0: First-hand accounts suggest Michael was suffering from fatigue as early as six months before his fatal heart attack. Was he simply exhausted, or could he have been suffering from an underlying condition, something that could have had an impact on his death?
1: Michael Clark Duncan was born on December 10, 1957, in Chicago. His father, Elmer, a railroad worker, left when he was young. Michael was raised by his mother, Jean, who worked as a cleaner to support him and his older sister, Judy.
5: Irene Marquez. Michael's ex-girlfriend the struggle was real it was hard for his mother you know she struggled to provide for her, her family
1: a frustrated actress his mom encouraged Michael to get into the profession
2: I really wanted to play football that was my thing but my mother saw something else better for me and she would teach me how to read with feeling and consequently I got beat up every day for that he loved his mom he worshiped his mom my mother knew that this is what's going to help my son years from now. And mama, I love you very much. Thank you so much.
4: My mother definitely believed in hard work. I mean, she worked hard and she expected us to. No matter what you did, if that's what you want to do, then put yourself into it and actually do it to the best of your
6: ability. Michael's motto was, you can do anything. And he ended up putting that on the back of his license plates on all of his vehicles. Y-C-D-A.
1: And he felt he could do anything, even succeed in Hollywood. He arrived with nothing, and at first had to live in his car, then started to get work as a bouncer and a
3: celebrity bodyguard. Duncan loved being a bodyguard for celebrities. He thought that that can put him in a better situation. And actually, I don't know if a lot of people know, but... He was supposed to be the person in the truck with Biggie Small when Biggie Small got got killed, but he swished.
1: The murder of Biggie Smalls prompted Michael to give up working as a bodyguard and focus his attention on becoming an actor.
4: Beauty and the flea, right?
1: (laughs) He started to get a few walk-on roles.
4: Grab a walk. Ain't that right, (laughs) Tiny? Shut up! Doug and Steve Gutami...
1: After six years in Los Angeles, he was cast in Armageddon.
2: Why don't you put the gun down?
4: Co-star Bruce Willis then suggested him for The Green Mile. I remember after Michael had gotten the position, he called me. He could hardly breathe. He's, Judy, Judy, I got the role. I'm going to be John Coffey. But for Michael,
1: who at 42 had never had an acting lesson in his life, becoming the child like John Coffey was a huge challenge.
3: Willis... Yes. Mr. Jam.
2: You run away under the door. Didn't mean to hurt him, none. All that hurt just yell out.
5: I asked Mike, How did you get so emotional? How did you just throw yourself into that role? And the story he used to, to dig out that emotion was um, his dad leaving him. He said he just thought of his dad walking out that door, seeing him leave and walk away, and to never come back. Just that alone was enough pain to throw into his role.
1: Michael Clark Duncan was nominated for an Academy Award for the
3: role. He always talked about the Gray mile and what it did for him, what put him over the top. Planet of the Apes, whole nine yards with Bruce Willis, Talladega Knights, and Scorpion King.
5: He got his opportunity and he attacked it and rolled with it and from there, Michael Clark Duncan is killing it, killing the game.
1: January 2012, New York. Seven months before his death, Michael is promoting his new TV series, The Finder, it's been a relentless
7: few months of filming. It did tell me when he was uh, filming the TV show that he was starting to feel more tired than usual. I'm like, you're worn out, aren't you?
3: What excites you the most about The Finder?
7: That it's finally airing on Thursday. <laughs>
2: We've been going, the table read was August the 12th, and we started filming August 15th. We've been going there since. since then. Yes.
4: Within the industry, Michael was known for his dedication. Michael felt that he had to be a workaholic. He wanted to let Hollywood know,
6: not only am I here, but I'm here and I'm good. Because sometimes he considered himself the new face or the new kid on the block. He did not want to come off as an amateur. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist.
7: I think the workaholism for him was a reaction to the fear of, what if I go back? Yes, I've gotten here, but that's not the, you know, that's the easy part. The scary part is, like, not sliding back down. The positive side to being very committed is that you you become tireless, you become single-minded in your goal, and you're much more likely to achieve it. I think the downside is that you begin to feel that your value lies in always pushing yourself, pushing yourself, so you have no measure of when you've burnt out.
1: There were those around him who felt he overdid it
5: was just tired overworked you know he put too much too much pressure on himself
0: work related stress increases the levels of hormones adrenaline and cortisol and these in turn increase blood pressure and cholesterol leading to higher rates of stroke heart attack and heart failure someone who is working a 65-hour work week is around 33% more likely to suffer a heart attack than someone who works a 45 hour week. However, overwork may not have been the only explanation for Michael's fatigue. Looking at his medical background, I can see that he suffered from a rare disease, sarcoidosis. This is a condition that causes small patches of swollen tissue called granulomas to develop in organs of the body. Sufferers frequently report feeling tired. It may well be the case that Michael contracted this disease in his early 20s. After college, Michael moved back home and spent two
1: years working for the local gas company.
5: Mike would have to dig the ditches to lay down all the piping for the gas lines. They went in, laid down all the pipes, and then he'd get back and throw in all the dirt, fill in the holes, and wrap it up. It was a a rough job. It was a dirty job.
0: It is thought that breathing in materials such as rock or metal dust and or mildew can trigger the disease in people who are genetically predisposed to it. Sarcoidosis causes fatigue, probably due to the inflammatory nature of the disease, but it's rarely fatal and isn't typically a cause of heart attack. It's a condition that mainly affects the lungs and skin. However, was there a larger condition far beyond Michael's control that pushed him towards premature death. Michael Clark Duncan became known not only for his immense physical presence, but for his huge heart as well. This morning, fans and friends are grieving the loss of this gentle giant. Michael
1: Clark Duncan's death at the age of just 54 shocked fans, and accusations of foul play followed. Now, expert pathologist Dr. Hunter is examining Michael's medical records to uncover the truth behind his
0: untimely death. Michael Clark Duncan was a workaholic who was showing signs of physical exhaustion. He also suffered from the disease sarcoidosis. But since this rarely affects the heart, at this stage, I don't believe the condition was responsible for his heart attack. However, there is something else beyond Michael's control that may have had an impact on his death. At six foot five inches, Michael was one of the largest actors in Hollywood. Less than a half a percent of men in America are six foot five or over. Simply being this tall reduces life expectancy. February 2012,
1: five months before his fatal heart attack. Michael is at home playing basketball.
7: He loved basketball as a boy. I think at one point Maybe some people had told him, you know what, you're tall enough, you could do this.
5: He loved, loved basketball. He had a basketball court at his home, so him and I used to hit the court and he used to love to slam dunk on me.
0: A study from the early 90s suggested that men over six foot four inches had a life expectancy of only sixty-four years, compared with the average life expectancy of 72 for men in the United States. It's believed this is because larger bodies require the heart to work harder to supply enough blood, which stresses it. And Michael was not only tall, he was heavy. In 2002,
1: Michael already weighed 320 pounds, but he was asked to gain an extra 40 pounds for the role of kingpin in the superhero film
5: Daredevil. It was the heaviest he ever became. That was, that was a good time for him. That was, let's eat anything and everything. In particular, he loves meat. He would eat steaks in the morning. Michael would eat steaks in the evening. He was a huge meat eater. He loved his burgers. He could devour like five or six of those. He would at least have that, honestly, two to three times a week, maybe twice a day. I wouldn't
0: recommend anyone to get up to 320 pounds, let alone 360, even for someone of Michael's height. Michael got to be this big by eating high-fat foods in enormous quantities. And I found evidence that his unhealthy eating was starting to catch up with him.
3: In 2005, Michael went for a standard checkup with his doctor. He actually went to the doctor on a regular. I mean, he was... He was big on on seeing his doctor and making sure that he was in in good health.
1: He was disturbed by what the doctor had to say.
2: He walked in the room after doing a battery of tests on me, and he just had this look on his face, and when he sat down, he just stared at me. And he said, can I be honest with you? And I said, no. I said, you don't
0: have to say anything. I said, I know exactly what I have to do. Looking at biographical accounts, I can see that Michael went on to change his lifestyle and his diet significantly. It appears that three years before his death, the actor became a vegetarian. I cleared out my refrigerator, about $5,000
2: worth of meat, and I was a big Omaha steaks person. I had meat delivered to my house.
3: He was a health nut. He would take out all different vegetables and put them in the blender and he just threw everything in there and just consumed it, just downed it. it. It come out green and... No, it looked disgusting.
6: <laughs> when Michael put his mind to something, he was dead set on accomplishing that goal. And so he was very serious about changing over his lifestyle and being more healthier and getting his nutrients in plant-based form.
2: Hello, this is Michael Clark Duncan for PETA. I became a vegetarian three years ago.
6: Michael loved animals. Um, and also the health issue that he had. And so I think that combination allowed him to become a vegetarian and look more into that lifestyle.
3: His house was, it was different. He had at least seven cats and he had two big dogs.
5: So there's Dribbles, Bunny, Whiskers, Snowflake, and Pinky. We had Greeny the Iguana and Chucky the Chinchilla. He loved his pets.
0: A vegetarian diet can help prevent heart disease. Animal products are the main source of saturated fat and the only source of cholesterol in the diet. So vegetarians have a lower incidence of atherosclerosis and tend to have better cardiovascular health. Vegetarians are 25% less likely to die of heart disease. Michael was clearly trying to look after himself in the years leading up to his death. So how did this healthy man in his mid-50s die so suddenly? Was he taking his new healthy regimen to the extreme?
1: When actor Michael Clark Duncan's life was cut short in 2012, rumor and speculation followed. Now, top medical examiner Dr.
0: Michael Hunter is trying to find out why. He changed his lifestyle considerably after a health scare and became a vegetarian three years before he died. Why then did he succumb to a heart attack at the age of just 54? I need to investigate his lifestyle further if I'm to uncover the truth. March
1: 2012, New York, six months before his death. Michael is on the set of The Challenger, it will be his last film. He plays the coach of a young boxing star and has been training hard to deliver an active and realistic performance.
5: His motto was, uh, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. You know, and that's just what he lived by. (laughs) So he always wanted to be uh, camera ready, you know, ready for any role, ready to take on anything.
0: Michael was playing a highly physical role just a few months prior to his death as he'd done throughout his career. I want to know more about the types of exercises he was doing to prepare and what effect his training had on his body. The
1: actor's athleticism and physicality were an essential part of his success from the
3: very beginning. When he got to Hollywood, he really started hitting the weights. I remember he first got a role in a video with R. Kelly he was the guy who kicked open the door in that video. That was his first opportunity on the screen. And those kind of roles required him, you know, to be a
2: a big guy. Yesterday I got up at 7.30. I was in the gym by 8. Stayed till 11. You only have one body. It's like if you buy a 2001 Mercedes Benz and never service it, what's going to happen?
3: At his house, he had a 25, 45, 50 pound dumbbell. He always was saying was, no pain, no gain. And it would be hurting him so much that he would have tears in his eye, but he always said, one more, one more, one more. And I just used to look at him like, well, no pain because you're insane. In 2005, he started
7: training with martial arts expert Bobby Hernandez. Most of his training with me consisted of uh, bodyweight exercises, pad work, heavy bag work, sparring. And that was only one aspect of his fitness regime at that
1: time.
5: It was about 6, 6.30 in the morning and I'm hearing this banging, this loud just boom, boom. And I'm like, what is that? And I look, I'm like, what is he doing? Well, apparently he ordered this huge tractor tire. Mike has this big hammer and he's just hammering away at the tire.
7: And when he trained, he trained hard. We called it Lake Michael whenever he came in to train because the floor was entirely wet. He just created puddles everywhere. I've never met anybody that sweat that much.
0: Considering the extent to which Michael exercised, it is very possible he had exercise-induced cardiomegaly, otherwise known as athletic heart syndrome. It can occur in individuals who train routinely for excessive periods of time. Increased blood volume and pressure in the heart leads to an increase in left ventricular muscle mass wall thickness, and chamber size. While not normally considered inherently dangerous, it can mask other serious heart problems. In addition, I've come across the possibility that Michael may have used illegal drugs to augment his training regimen.
1: After leaving college, Michael became interested in bodybuilding and started to become known as Big Mike.
3: He loved that big (laughs) Mike.
6: I remember Michael reading and buying Muscle magazine and following like the careers of uh, Joe Weider and Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was really serious about working on his body and having the perfect body for him. But there was a question mark
1: over just how he became so muscular.
3: I'm like, I wanted this boy using steroid, because he got so big.
0: It's not uncommon for bodybuilders to use anabolic steroids. They're used to make muscles grow larger and improve performance. Anabolic steroids are illegal due to the dangerous side effects they can cause. These include testicular atrophy, liver abnormalities, and psychiatric disorders. And they can't have an adverse effect on the
5: heart people would come up to him and be like, hey man, what kind of roids do you want? And he used to get bothered by it. Not angry, but bothered, irritated with it because he worked so hard to, to have the body type that he had. He was always anti-steroids.
7: Typically people who are using steroids that I've run across and trained before, the musculature is a lot more dense, tighter, and not as mobile. With Mike, he
0: had the density for sure and he was big, but he could move. Despite his enormous size, There is no evidence that Michael Clark Duncan was on steroids. So I can discount this from my investigation. Looking at the last year of Michael's life, I can see that there were elements in his life that were causing him significant stress. And stress can damage the heart. And I'm wondering if this was a factor in Michael's death.
1: April, 2012, Michael's home, Los Angeles, five months before his death. Michael is changing his will to include his girlfriend, reality TV personality Omarosa Manigault, a significant step for the actor.
6: My uncle was always a single man. He was always a bachelor. My uncle's never been married. If he didn't feel that someone was right for him, then he wasn't going to commit in that way.
1: Michael effectively left the majority of his estate to girlfriend Omarosa, a fact which his friends and family found difficult to understand.
3: Why he changed his will, uh, I have no idea. Uh, When I found out that everything in that home was going to Omarosa, I couldn't believe that.
6: I don't know if she, you know, Michael was... When it came to women, Michael mm, Michael could kinda, you know, be easily swayed.
4: I would sense that he was trusting people that perhaps he shouldn't.
0: It's intriguing that Michael essentially wrote his family out of his will just a short time before his fatal heart attack. And from reports it appears his actions caused him significant stress as he inadvertently upset the family he was so close to. Stress can increase artery inflammation, leading to a higher risk of heart problems. In addition, people under a lot of stress frequently resort to unhealthy habits in order to try to manage it. And I'm wondering, did Michael have a hidden vice? The death of actor Michael Clark Duncan shocked
1: his fans across the world. Now, expert forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter
0: is investigating the reasons for his death. Michael was a vegetarian and an extremely health-conscious individual who worked out up to three times a day. But there were elements of his life that were causing him stress in his last few months at work and in his personal life. I'm wondering if, like so many actors, he turned to alcohol or drugs as a way of coping.
1: May 8th, 2012, two months before his final heart attack. Lexington Social, Los Angeles. Michael and Omarosa attend a party thrown by the Real Housewives of Orange County. While many of the guests enjoy a drink, Michael sticks to soda.
5: He never, ever, ever consumed one drop of alcohol. Never had a drink in your life, ever.
2: Never had a drink in my so entire existence on this earth. You have no idea what it feels like to be drunk. No. no.
5: He flew a straight line in that area. He was very adamant about that. And then he was more addicted to health and fitness. That was his drug. 1960, Chicago. Michael learned about the dangers of alcohol early on in his life. I know for a fact the alcohol he stayed away from because his father was an alcoholic. And, you know, they had a a lot of bad times when he was a kid.
0: I can see from accounts that Michael was a non-drinker and he didn't smoke or take drugs. What caused his heart attack is still a mystery to me.
1: 7 a.m., July 13th, 2012.
3: Michael goes for a run, then checks in with best friend Kevin. I'd actually talked to him that morning because he had called me, talking about he's working out, because he called almost every morning, you know, with the little ch- workout challenge. We talked for about 45 minutes.
0: The fact that Michael completed his morning workout as usual and didn't report feeling unwell indicates he was still fit and seemingly healthy the morning of his heart attack. Heart attacks can come on gradually, even lasting for days. But this was clearly not the case for Michael. And I can see from firsthand accounts that his feeling of well-being lasted all day.
1: Kevin spoke to Michael again that evening.
3: He had just watched a basketball game. He was in great spirits. You know, I just told him, I'll holler at you tomorrow. 11.30 p.m.
1: Michael is in bed asleep next to Omarosa when she notices a change in his breathing. Then it stops altogether. Panicking, she gives Michael CPR and then calls 911.
5: When I
6: realized he wasn't breathing, I just started doing CPR and trying to get 911 online. I just start praying. I mean, I pray like I have
0: never prayed before. From Omarosa's account, it was evident that Michael was in a state of cardiac arrest. His heart had stopped pumping blood around his body. CPR or cardiopulmonary resuscitation is used to pump the heart manually in order to get blood circulating and continue to deliver oxygen to the brain.
3: When Kevin calls Michael for the third time that day, there's no answer for some reason my grandson who was at that time 6 years old it was almost midnight he was still up saying Papa I want to talk to Big Duncan I said what? I tried to call Duncan both on the cell phone and home phone did not answer Omarosa successfully performs
1: CPR until paramedics arrive shortly after midnight Michael is
4: taken to Cedar sinai Medical Center in Beverly Hills When Michael had the heart attack, the only thing I could think of was, how quickly can I get to L.A.? Being his only sibling and us having grown up so close, I just wanted to snap my fingers and be in L.A. I kept thinking, he's going to be all right. He'll be okay. I'm going to get there, he'll be lying in the hospital bed, and then we'll talk. July 15th, Cedars-Sinai Medical Center,
1: Los Angeles. Michael's sister, Judy, and his niece, Karen, visit Michael in the hospital.
6: My mom went back first to his room. And when she came back, I thought the whole world must have died by the look on her face. I knew something was wrong. My mother is not an easily shocked person. And but when I saw her face, I thought, oh boy, we're in trouble. It was a bit of a shock
4: because He's never sick. And now to see him lying here, I just kept thinking, okay, this is going to end in a little while, and he's going to get up and he'll be okay.
6: I just thought, just give him another chance. Just let him wake up and come around. And I was cheering for him, and I kept telling him, you have to wake up because you are tough, because you taught me how to be tough, and you have to wake up. At the
0: time of his heart attack, Michael Strain was starved of oxygen, and he suffered severe brain injury. When he got to the hospital, he was put in an induced coma so that his brain might have a chance to heal.
1: August 6th. 2012. Michael's friend Holly Robinson-Pete goes to visit him in the hospital and talks about her experiences soon after.
5: When I went to go visit him in the hospital about three weeks ago, I saw him open his eyes. He did? He yes, opened his eyes in, room. in that
4: two-month period?
5: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would, like, have the Olympics in front of him on the TV, and he would have his eyes open, so there were moments of, of hope
1: But Michael's family knows the true extent of the damage that the heart attack has caused.
6: There were certain movements that he would make, twitching. Or you could see the movements of his eyes, but they were saying that that was normal and that really wasn't a sign
5: that he was coming back to. Everything was shutting down, his organs were shutting down, and, you know, he was just basically deteriorating.
4: The doctors had considered taking him off life support. I just kept thinking, no, no, it's got to change. So at some point, I just had to realize, all right, this is what's going to happen. But before a decision
1: can be made about his care, Michael dies from respiratory failure on September 3rd, 2012, alone in his hospital room. News of Michael's death soon spreads around the
4: world.
6: Stunned and devastated. That's how some Hollywood heavyweights say they're
0: feeling after the death of actor Michael Clark Duncan.
4: I was asleep that morning and I got a phone call that he had passed. And you can imagine how that feels to wake up and hear that your only sibling is now gone. And I'm trying to gather my thoughts and think, wait a minute, this is a dream. This isn't real. No,
5: no, I didn't hear that. No, let me breathe. Let me breathe. I received a phone call from my sister in law, and uh, she told me, Hey, uh, have you watched the news? Mike passed away. And I was like, Wait, what? And I was just in disbelief. I called his voicemail right away because I thought it was a lie.
3: I took it hard, cried, still cried sometime about him. You have to realize. Duncan loved life. He would have gave away every dime that he had, every accolade that he ever received, to be alive. He did everything to stay alive. Shortly after he died,
1: Omarosa told the press that she and Michael were engaged, but the statement was met with
3: disbelief by his family and close friends. Oh, Oh, I know he wasn't engaged, Omarosa. Uh, I know everything about Duncan, and and I know he was not engaged. Omarosa and Michael's relationship appeared
1: shrouded in mystery, and the legitimacy of their engagement remains unresolved. The truth one day will come to light. This
3: will come to light.
6: And further rumor and speculation followed the actor's death. The autopsy, my mother requested an autopsy. That got denied. All
4: sorts of things run through my mind. There were people that were within his inner circle that shouldn't have been. The
0: last few days of Michael Clark Duncan's life are shrouded in mystery. And as no autopsy was performed, it's impossible to know the exact circumstances of his death. However, several close friends and family members believe there may have been foul play. I want to find out if there's any truth to these accusations.
1: On September 3, 2012, Michael Clark Duncan died of respiratory failure following a heart attack. He was just 54 years old. But world-renowned expert pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has come across a theory that this was not the whole story.
0: Despite the fact that his family requested one, no autopsy was performed, which means we can't know exactly what happened to Michael in his last days. And there have been several public assertions that Michael's death may not have been natural.
1: In October 2012, LaToya Jackson publicly accused Omarosa of switching off her partner's life support.
5: LaToya said that that Omarosa probably pulled the plug, probably was the one that killed him. And, and and is that the reason for the defamation lawsuit? Absolutely.
0: But I've discovered this cannot have been the case. Evidence suggests she was in Florida at the time of Michael's death.
1: Omarosa's arrival at Los Angeles airport was captured on camera. But there was another reason people were suspicious. When Omarosa heard that the 911 call she made the night of Michael's heart attack was going to be released by the news outlet TMZ, she successfully stopped that from happening.
6: There are 911 calls that were blocked. We can't get that. I believe his death wasn't natural or through complications. I just feel like maybe somebody else had a hand in that.
0: While Michael's family and friends may be suspicious about the exact circumstances surrounding Michael's heart attack, there is no evidence to suggest that it was anything other than
1: natural. But Dr. Hunter believes that he may have found the key to unlocking the mystery of Michael's death.
0: I have uncovered evidence that Michael became seriously unwell four years before his fatal heart attack.
1: 2008, Los Angeles. Michael was home alone when he fainted in the kitchen.
5: When I left Mike, when we parted ways, um, about three weeks after me leaving him, he passed out in his house. He woke up and called 911 and the ambulance came and got him.
1: It wasn't the first time he had passed out as he confessed to his trainer,
7: Bobby. When he told me that he was passing out, I was really concerned for him. Concerned with Mike was that because he was as tall as he is, and he carried a lot of weight up top that he would
0: hit the floor hard or hit something on the way with his head on the way down. What Michael had been experiencing was sinkable episodes. This is where people become unconscious without warning. They can be caused by numerous things, such as low blood pressure, low blood sugar, and dehydration. For some, fainting is linked to problems with the heart and it appears this was the case for michael
1: 2008 los angeles following the fainting episodes michael was fitted with a
0: pacemaker pacemakers send electrical impulses to the heart in order to regulate an uneven heartbeat despite what is commonly perceived pacemakers do not mean that the patient is immune to heart attack They cannot stop the blockage in the heart from forming, but they can prevent heart failure due to arrhythmias. And I believe that Michael's need for a pacemaker may finally solve the mystery of what caused his fatal heart attack. I have already looked into the fact that Michael suffered from the normally benign disease, sarcoidosis, which he likely developed in his early 20s. Now that I know more, I can see that it's likely that Michael suffered from a rare form of the condition, cardiac sarcoidosis, which affects 5% of sufferers. Granulomas or clumps of tissue can manifest on the heart muscle itself, on the papillary muscles, and on the pericardium. Granulomas can also occur in the electrical conduction system of the heart which normally helps regulate the heartbeat. As a result, sufferers of cardiac sarcoidosis frequently experience arrhythmias and a heartbeat which can result in fainting episodes.
1: Around the time of his operation, Michael told his friend
3: Kevin that he had the disease. We talked about it. How does people get sick? Does it just jump out the air? Does it fall out the air? So it has to be in either what you're, what you're eating or what you're drinking. So. He felt that it was coming from the meat, and that he was going to change the way he did.
1: Shortly after the operation, Michael became a vegetarian.
0: Michael's death certificate tells me he died of respiratory failure following myocardial infarction, a blockage of an artery supplying blood to the heart. This is typically caused by a buildup of plaque in one of the coronary arteries. But what is intriguing is that patients with sarcoidosis who develop significant coronary artery disease have a higher likelihood of sudden death. So, although I believe Michael's heart and arteries were likely to have been weakened by his sheer physical size and weight, the trigger for his myocardial infarction that ultimately took his life could well have been cardiac sarcoidosis. I believe Michael's heart brain, and other organs never recovered from the oxygen starvation that occurred at the time of his initial heart attack. During his time in the hospital, his organs started to shut down. Michael experienced respiratory failure, which occurs when the lungs fail to properly oxygenate the blood. The lack of oxygen in Michael's system will have eventually led to worsening brain injury, multi-organ failure, and ultimately death Michael did everything he could to live a healthy life but the fact was he had an incurable disease he could not
4: outrun what the world lost was a genuine person a true teddy bear he was just a great all around guy that enjoyed his craft worked hard at it and I know Michael would want me to tell all of his fans thank you so much for loving him for caring about him for seeing his movies even the reruns that come on thank you our family thanks you for caring about him like that we really do the
3: gray mile. John Coffey the way that he depicted him in that movie that's him and, and he touched you like that If you got a chance to know him you know he touched you just how he did those people in that movie
5: he is an amazing soul that will never be forgotten he just shined, he always shined you know, he just he eluded happiness I miss him he's he's definitely missed
0: Hope you enjoyed this episode of Autopsy. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com onecom with the Podcast 1 app or at Apple Podcasts. Then go to reels.com. That's r e e l z.com for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on Reels channel. Find Reels on your TV at reels.com. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter.